This podcast is dedicated to those that are in the mix, making it happen, and want to do better, better at everything. Each episode, our guest will help us be better, do better, and perform better. We will tackle topics that we all deal with in business and in life. Welcome back to The Wireless Way. I'm your host, Chris Whitaker. And as you would expect, today I have another fantastic guest. And yes, it has something to do with the Internet of Things. And that guest would be a Mr. John Pages, Jr., uh, the Chief Technology Officer at Sully Mac. Uh, a little bit about John, you know, he's a dedicated and driven technology leader with over 20 years of strategic business and technology experience. Um, as you know, as any good leader would be, he focuses on the customer and organization initiatives in the network architecture, security, sales, account management, and project focus to achieve success in a customer's and organization's goals. He's also been called a creative problem solver, an IoT enthusiast, a hiker, a golfer, a wine enthusiast, and living in Boston happens to be an expert snow shoveler. Uh, John, thanks for making time to be here with us today. How are you doing? I'm great, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Excellent. So, you know, we talked about your bio. We all have those prepared professional bios. Uh, Again, one of the benefits of being around for 20 plus years, you've done a lot of things. You've seen a lot of things. Uh, So tell me a little bit more. Tell us a little bit more about your background. You know, how did you get to where you are today? Um... So I actually haven't had a formal education in technology per se. Um, you know, self-taught? Self-taught. I, I, I do not have a college degree. I did not go to college. I graduated straight from high school and started working immediately. I started out working as an, an electrician, um, doing a lot of electrical work. Um, the real estate market in Boston and the, just the general economy kind of tail spinned off and, and work kind of dried up and had to figure out my next thing and just got a job to hold me over at a um, Boston insurance company in a mailroom. Um, and I was working there for a while and I was always a very organized guy, um, like to have everything neat and set up correctly. And it was right around the time of uh, Windows 95 and PCs. Wow. And our office was at the time on old mainframes and we started getting um, a bunch of uh, IBM PCs in, and they were all, you know, Windows 95 ready to be set up. And at the time, it was called an MIS director. Our MS, MIS director wasn't exactly a um, on top of it guy that liked to get a lot of work done quickly. So I had boxes and boxes of PCs in the mailroom, and eventually I just got fed up and started opening them up and reading about them and started setting them up for people and getting them out there and realized that I had a a little bit of an interest in it and wanted to get more involved and so I just started reading and learning and from there just wanted to do more and more in technology. Fantastic. Well, it kind of reminds me of a story uh, kind of unrelated but I, I feel obligated to share it now but that that's a story of pivoting. You kind of you pivoted right from electrician the mailroom uh, and then self-taught yourself technology. It reminds me of this guy we all have heard of Edwin Hubble, Hubble telescope right the big bang theory what a lot of people don't know is this gentleman, his last name was Hummison, um, Melvin Hummison, I believe. I'll have to check it out. But I know it was Hummison because that's an interesting last name. But Hummison was a cowboy. He was a mule skinner. Um, dropped out of school in eighth grade, actually. So, you know, um, dropped out of school in eighth grade. Got a job working at the first observatory 
on Mount Wilson in California. And he loved gadgets. He loved machines. He was really good with his hands, and he, just, he could fix anything. Became friends with Hubble. Hubble taught him how to be an astronomer. Took this cowboy janitor guy and became his, what you call a night observer. Mm-hmm. And history gives Hummison credit. There would have been no Big Bang Theory discovery without Hummison. So Hubble was the world-renowned trained astronomer, stargazer, that got all the credit. But um, so you, I'm sure you got stories like that where there, there's probably some people they get all the credit for all this amazing technology and solutions, yeah. but you're in the background making it happen, right? A lot of times that's what it is. That's in, but that's life in general, right? It's always the person in the background that's making it happen. Exactly right, and you know, and that goes for our partners. I mean, uh, a lot of our partners that are listening to this uh, interview. I mean, you, you're we're all kind of the Hummusons of the world too. You know, we kind of come in and help businesses achieve their goals. And you know, the business leader makes all the credit, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it was the uh, digital strategist, or the technical advisor that, that put all that stuff in place. You're only as good as your team. Always about the team. Um, so when it comes to IoT, you said you're an IoT enthusiast, and that's how I've met you through, through uh, the discussion of IoT. And there may be some partners listening that is tr- they're trying to make that pivot. They're trying to pivot from being a mule skinner to an astronomer or from an electrician to a CTO. Um, what advice do you have for someone that's trying to figure this out and how they can take it from a promise of great technology to the profit of great technology? I think a lot of times, um, you know, especially in our industry, you know, people are looking for the big fish and they're missing right what's right under their nose and right in front of their face. So, you know, I, I know there's partners out there that are with um, building engineers, facility directors, uh, realtors, property owners on a daily basis. And they're probably talking to them about connectivity and other services that they've sold them throughout the years and, and they're doing well on those services. But they're not realizing the overlay of what IoT could do into some of those accounts and the impact it could have on those businesses. And I think a lot of times they're just focusing on maybe meeting IT leaders, a CTO or a director of technology, and that's where they're putting their IoT pitch. Your IoT pitch should be at the operation technology level. It should be to that guy that that's running the HVAC system on the campus, or it should should be to the custodian of the hotel that you know you you know need some technology to help make what he does more efficiently. And, and those are the people that are, are going to understand that the solution you're trying to provide is going to help solve my problem. And that's how I can talk to my leadership and say, the problem that we've been having can be solved by this solution. <clears throat> that's interesting because uh, I, I know sometimes we, we say it's a C-level conversation. It's a business leader conversation. But are you saying you've had success and and talking to, I don't know, would you say the front line or more the management level of the operational unit of whatever company? I mean, is it, is it a little bit of both? So it, it, it's definitely a little bit of both. I, when, when I look at um, the landscape of the partner community and some of the partners that we're dealing with on a daily basis, it, it's it's not a, a lot of the opportunities they that they have aren't necessarily a CTO level that, that's going to get involved in that. It's and a lot of time, even as a CTO myself, I'm depending on the people that are actually doing the jobs on the daily basis and the people that actually 
they know about the engineering of the building, they know about the facilities to, to tell me what type of technology they need to help solve these problems because I don't know what they do in their jobs on a daily basis. I can try and ram technology down someone's throat and think it's the be all end all for the solution, but we all know throwing boxes at something doesn't necessarily solve their problems all the time. It could make the problem even worse. That's a, that's a good that's a good approach. There. I mean, do you see, uh, has there been cases where maybe uh, an end user is reluctant because they see the new technology as a threat of it's going to take my job one day? I mean, has that ever come up? Honestly, I think, I think that's probably about a decade old thinking. I think maybe a decade ago, a lot of people in the industry, like a, a building engineer or a facilities director, wanted no part of technology, right? Because it really never had much of a value to them. It only complicated and costed, you know, yeah, yeah. added costs to what they were doing. That, that's all they saw. How much more is this system going to cost me? How, how many more guys do I have to have trained on this? And my guys don't even know how to use a computer. I don't want them law. I don't want them doing this stuff. And then, but over time, we got a lot better in developing and designing that technology so that it actually made sense and it helped them implement it in a way that wasn't this huge learning curve that was like, it's going to take me two years to learn how to use this system effectively. And by then, you're probably going to come in and tell me I have to upgrade it and I'm going to have to start a whole. Right, right. No, yeah, the, uh, the the fear of change sometimes can be a real thing, but if you can show the value, show you know the why behind uh, the why. Uh, speaking of valuable solutions, uh, share with us, Shane, when was the last or, or maybe even a, a current project you're working on that, in the area of IoT that you find very interesting? Yeah, so we're, we're working on one now. It's a... Um, it's a, a shipping pier here in New England. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty large facility. Um, and everything, you know, from a um, material standpoint, almost any kind of material you can imagine is coming through there. You know, they have a huge salt plant because, uh, you know, up here in New England, we need rock salt for snow. So the, there's a bunch of salt storage. They're doing metal recycling. They have concrete. They have brick. They have... Uh, rolls of, of metal. A ton of material moving in uh, with the supply chain problem we have going on in this country. It mm -hmm. was typically a smaller port. They, they've had their in traffic increase by over 50% over the past year because there's so many more ships that are coming in there now. So um, they're, they're looking to connect their four different yards, and we, we call them areas. The areas um, that they have at their facility. So there's no network running between them. There's no connectivity between them. They're all isolated. Um, we need to do stuff like we have to put cameras up everywhere. They, they have obviously with a ton of material and we know how valuable commodities are now. Material needs to be monitored a lot better. They have safety issues where somebody could slip and fall and they don't have any video of it, whether it's from a legal aspect or more importantly from a life safety aspect. They want to be able to help people. They have video of the peers, security um, reasons that the Coast Guard's requiring them to get. Then we're doing other stuff with them like asset tracking. They want to be able to track where containers are. They want to be able to track where um, heavy machinery is. They're also thinking about maybe even potentially using it for some people tracking, again, for, for safety with, with their employees working in the different yards, 
being able to geolocate somebody, all that stuff is, is becoming more and more valuable and more and more necessary in everyday business in those areas. It's, it's incredible, you know, that they've been as efficient and as safe as they have been for this long without really any issues. You know, it, it's a testament uh-huh. to the American worker, I guess. You yes, say. it is. No, it is. Well, you know, that's something the entrepreneurs have always been known for. You know, if there's a will, there's a way. And if there's a way to make more money at it, we'll figure it out. Right. right. Um, I, I guess along that lines, you know, figuring it out and making more money. Uh, if you had a crystal ball, you know, what's coming? What What do you think is going to be, you know, the next big area for IoT that maybe we haven't recognized yet? Or does it exist? I think it's a, that's a great question. I in my opinion, I think it exists. I think it's in the autonomous arena, right? The autonomous vehicles, whether it's it's going to be full-scale autonomous, like you and I would mm-hmm. have an autonomous car, or whether it'd be autonomous mass transit where, you know, a plane may be driving itself or a train may be you know, driving itself. And I also think, you know, autonomous in terms of, um, Shopping. When we think of like the Amazon shopping stores that are coming through with the smart shopping carts, it's going to be to the point where you know even even in a grocery store you're going to have shopping carts that you can kind of program what you want, and the cart's going to go through the store and get the stuff for you. So I I do think autonomous is is a very up and coming. Do you think we'll see autonomous vehicles for the individual uh, uh, in the next what 10, 20 years? I do. I, yeah. I, I do. I, I, I don't know how full scale it will be, but I, I definitely do. I mean, we have a pilot test program here in Boston with autonomous vehicles. And I, I, I you know, I, maybe it will never be full scale. Maybe you'll just have, you know, certain. I mean, there are certain features right now, right? There's so oh, yeah. many cars out there that you can hit the button and they self park and parallel. You know, if, if you don't know how to parallel park <laughs> in Boston, you don't know how to drive. So <laughs> it's, it's incredible when you think about it. Well, you know, yeah, that reminds me of a, I, I had a call with a partner a couple of weeks ago out in Texas. There's a company actually uh, building a, a business around logistics and with uh, designated supply routes out through, all throughout Texas, connecting you know, all the major cities and it's an autonomous vehicle uh, with hubs along the way to either you know download data because uh, you know that, that that massive amount of data that is going to collect with cameras all around it and and um, you know, th- I think that's the, the next uh, uh, code to crack really it's just the amount of data and how you're going to offload it and where you offload it but uh, yeah I agree with you in fact even in Peachtree City Georgia uh, T-Mobile has a Curiosity Lab with a seven mile track in Peachtree it's called Peachtree Corners I believe it is. And this is a it's a, a public private sponsorship, right? And so T-Mobile's kind of made it a smart city, and they have a shuttle. It's a seven mile track, and it's a shuttle like twenty passenger shuttle with no driver. And it's so it's kind of yeah. kind of kind of weird to get on it knowing there's no driver. But you know you know the, the T-Mobile uh, liaison there kind of explains all the technology that's going. So. It's talking to the red lights. It's, you know, it has sensors right, on right. it to know if, the, you know, if there's other people. If you have a smartphone on your some kind of smart device, it you know it can pick up the Bluetooth or some other yep. other yep. signal, I guess. But um, it knows to slow down when you know someone's going through the crosswalk up ahead. Vehicle to vehicle communication. Yeah, it's so it's uh, it's pretty cool. Well, uh, as as we try to wrap this up a little bit, is there any, any last words? Is there anything we haven't talked about that you wanted to share? Um, you know. 
I, I think something that this this is great. You and I are actually talking face to face. Yes. Right. And <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it's such a pleasure to do that. And I, and I think what I'd like to share with people is, you know, especially newcomers in the industry. And you know, I have some in my group that are starting out. And we all have those people that we're working with that have never been to their office. They've never gone to their company to work. They're all working remote. Don't underestimate your company culture and what it's like to have that in your life. I just think it's it's so important and it's such a great experience and I, and I and I 100% believe in remote learn uh, remote work. I think it's 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 great way of life. I don't believe it's 100%. I think a hybrid model is such a great model. I think you need to get in the office, know your coworkers, know your team, get a feel for the culture. And I, I really can't emphasize enough to people how much that will enhance their career and their life in general. Now, that's great, great words to end on, John. And I agree with you, man. And don't forget, you know, your company culture, you're a part of it. So be that change you want to see kind of thing, right? You know, it's a cliche, but it's so true. You know, help model that uh, culture that you expect and, uh, uh, you know, discuss it with your your either your manager, your coworkers. But that is that's so true that... That's a big part of our channel, right? We were just in Vegas a few weeks ago, and that was probably the biggest takeaway. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, it's so great to get back together and Absolutely. see each other face-to-face for once. You know, Zoom calls, uh, Zoom fatigue, we call it. You know? Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's it's easier, in my opinion, in my, in my experience after two years of COVID, right? It's easier to do business and close deals face-to-face. Oh, yeah. To try and do a presentation over a Zoom where you're presenting to 15 people and you're running through a PowerPoint slide or doing a, a demonstration of a product and not knowing what anybody's facial expression yeah. looks like, or it is it just doesn't work. It, it right. does not work. You're not going to get the deal closed. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you can't read body language, and there's so many little you know micro so mannerisms we pick up in, in person. Yeah. Uh, and, and have you noticed the you know uh, because more and more meetings are taking place in person. I'm finding when I when I I am home in my home office and I'm doing a Zoom call, um, I've seen this trend. People are keeping the cameras off. I I am. And then a year ago, if you kept your camera off, you would get shamed. You know, I, turn your camera I, on. You I, know, I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> agree more. Have you seen that? It's it's, it's really it's it, it's kind of off putting to me. So I I almost want to say if we're gonna do a video conference and you're not gonna do a video, then just call me. <laughs> yeah. Then just call me because uh, I, I think we forget I, that that's an option now. We we don't have to do it. And listen, like, we, we're all guilty of it, right? We, we we all did that, or we all had the one or two Zoom shirts in our home office that we put on right before the meeting started and take off as soon as it was over. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know. Yeah, that that's a good point. If you're not going to be on video, just make it a old fashioned phone call. Yes, I like that, it. That's it. That's, that's it. it. Well, uh, John, thanks so much for making time today. I've, uh, I've enjoyed visiting your office. I've enjoyed uh, seeing your demo lab and, and learning about the great things on your roadmap. So uh, I appreciate uh, you joining us today. Thank you. We love having you. You're, a, you're a, a great business acquaintance. More importantly, I think you're a great friend, and we, we, I love spending time with you and having you come out here. Man, yeah, the feeling is mutual, John. Thanks so much. And there you go. It's another episode of The Wireless Way. If you like what you heard, uh, you know the deal. I could use your help. You know, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends about it. And um, if you have any ideas for a guest or a topic, I'm very open to that. You can uh, reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can email me at chris at thewirelessway.net. 
And again, thanks for joining, and uh, we'll talk to you next time in the Wireless Way. Great conversation with John there, and um, I regret we didn't really get into much of how he's kind of the man behind the scene for Fortify. Um, he and his team helped deploy and come up with the IoT solutions that uh, Fortify sells, and they do a great job. So um, wanted to get that in there and thank John again for his time. Thank Fortify for uh, having good technology partners that um, enable our selling partners to solve business problems with technology. So thank you again for checking out The Wireless Way. See you next time.